0: The fundamental question that these parables ask is this is it possible for someone who has fallen away from the faith a baptized child to be brought to repentance and the answer is yes a thousand times yes it has to be yes or i'm damned
1: and so are you pastor peter bender speaking at the 2023 issues etc making the case conference
0: But if we, as earthly parents, love our children in spite of the fact that they rebel and maybe wander from home, how much more does the Father's love for us in Christ Jesus never cease? That is the birthright that you and I have been given in our baptism. That is our consolation.
1: You can watch and listen to Pastor Peter Bender's teaching, Making the Case for a Dying Man's Consolation, and all of the presentations from this year's conference for a contribution of $300. It's available via on-demand video stream or podcast. Learn more at issuesetc.org. through in public radio choir with the hymn, When in the Hour of Deepest Need. It goes beautifully with the gospel reading for this coming Sunday. A woman encounters Jesus and she is in deepest need. Well, after referring to her as a dog, he does commend her for her faith and he meets that need by healing her. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. on this Monday afternoon, August the 14th, I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. In the first hour, we'll look forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary, the 12th Sunday after Pentecost with Pastor Sean Denzer. Next hour, we'll hear a teaching from the St. Ed Paul McCain on Mary, the Mother of Jesus. Pastor Sean Denzer is Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Sean, welcome back.
2: Great to be back, Todd.
1: What is the verse for this coming Sunday, and why did you want to begin with it today?
2: So it's from Psalm 147, verses 2 and 3, and I want to begin with it because I think it is a fine kind of question point and summary of the whole day. Here's the text. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So from a great praise psalm, speaking about Israel, it's a marvelous verse. And we're gonna find it, I think at least at first glance, totally misappropriated today because it's coming right before the, uh, the gospel reading, which is the story of the Canaanite woman who comes to Jesus seeking his help. And Jesus says, no, I'm sent for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm not sent to the Gentiles like you. And she goes on to press Jesus until finally, he says, great is your faith. So as we'll look at the other passages today, often it is expressing the faith of that Canaanite woman calling out to God. And yet it's a little startling to see the Psalms used, since these are the songs of Israel, right? The songs of David, the songs of the descendants of Israel. And yet they're going to be applied to this woman who comes seeking the Lord, even though she's a Gentile. And how that is to be understood today is mentioned and explained and seen in the Old Testament reading and in the epistle. Uh, So we want to see how this verse really is not taken out of context at all. In Christ Jesus and on account of his work, this light of Christ and what Peter, for example, calls the revelation of what was hidden from the foundation of the world that now has been shown through his apostles and prophets, We want to be able to understand how it is that we could call a Gentile woman, a Canaanite of all things, part of the children of God and someone who would be building up Jerusalem as an outcast of Israel.
1: Why do you find the propers today somewhat frustrating for
2: this? (laughs) I find it frustrating, I guess, because we're so close, but not quite. As we've said over and over again, the point of the the pattern rather of the three-year lectionary is to have the epistles on one continuous track and to have the gospel on another continuous track. And they're not really supposed to be lined up at all. But today we've come very close because we're speaking about, as you recall, in Romans 9, 10, and 11, we're talking about the mystery of election. We're talking particularly about the mystery of election when it comes to this question of why don't the Jews believe and why do the Gentiles, which is Paul's great mission, and of course he's writing to the church in Rome, Why is it that they have believed? Well, today we're gonna see that, right? This Canaanite woman comes out of the woodwork and she thinks that she has a place and a right to beseech the Lord's blessings from Jesus. And of course, by the end, he says, great is your faith on the basis of that is to trust in me and my works. Absolutely, I'm here for you. Paul's gonna be talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, how some have broken off so others can enter. And it seems like we've lined up perfectly. Except when we come to our section of Romans today, we're going to see we've got a couple snippets here and there with big sections omitted. And that's necessary for the sake of time, I think, and to find something that can be coherent without maybe getting into all of the details and the weeds. But boy, we're right in the section where we could hear an amazing phrase similar to our verse, All Israel shall be saved. Or by their fulfillment, how much more will the world be saved? Now, that's a difficult phrase because it doesn't mean, as it's sometimes been misunderstood, to mean that somehow all of the people of Jewish descent are going to be saved in a different means, even if they don't believe or acknowledge Jesus Christ. That's not what's being said. And I suppose our lectionary has avoided that difficulty by just omitting these sections. The difficulty is it's worth our time, especially when we're going to look at this Canaanite woman and this back and forth where Jesus really does reject her for about two-thirds of the gospel reading, but then on the basis of one very careful clarification, not only receives her, answers her prayer, but extols her faith and draws our attention to it. Now, good news is the preacher can still pull this off. They may need to adopt a one-year principle for this Sunday, and that is not to preach the text, the whole text, and nothing but the text, but rather to feel free, because the Bible is one and the scripture cannot be broken, to feel free to draw in passages from throughout the scriptures and to bring in the whole Bible's teaching on what this particular text is putting forward, what the texts of our day are bringing to the fore, and I think that is just fine, especially in this case where we already have most of the pieces laid out for us. and We just need to fill in the gaps. It also means that the wise listener really does have a lot to look forward to in this Sunday. And you can pull even more out of this together if you'll just read the parts that we're missing. Maybe refresh yourself in Romans 9, 10, and 11. And I think that'll give you a fantastic lead up and a full understanding of how we're going to put Isaiah together with the Gospel from Matthew today, and that verse definitely fits. What is the intro it? The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. To you, O Lord, I call. My rock, be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts. And with my song I give thanks to him. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. So, Right away, we hear the cry of this woman in faith. And this psalm, Psalm 28, is especially pertinent. It has that phrase, be not silent to me, don't be deaf to me. And that is the anxious and anguished experience of many Christians who pray. And it seems to be the anguished experience of this woman who is praying to the Lord, and yet he's, I mean, he's worse than not answering her. He's saying no. He's uh, saying he's not for her and he doesn't have time for this. And we see that David, we see that the Psalms have already anticipated this difficulty. They've recognized it and they've brought it into their prayers that we would even speak to God in this bold way and say, stop refusing to answer me. Arise, listen, hear my call. And of course, we've skipped a bit, but we see also how that call is answered later in the psalm as it goes forward. Perhaps they should have drawn from the final verse of the psalm also, though, which we know from some of our brief orders of service in the middle of the day. Save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Because it introduces this interesting question that we're wrestling with today. All of the Psalms that speak about the heritage of God, his people, the sheep of his pasture, that he is the king over, and we had that reference right away in our antiphon, that the Lord is the saving refuge of his anointed, that is, his Christ, which could be referring in the small sense to David, the king of Israel, but ultimately in the king himself, Jesus Christ. He's the saving strength of his people, not of some other people. But we're going to want to see how the Gentiles, by faith, just as the remnant of Israel, are truly the people of the king, of our shepherd, Jesus Christ.
1: How would you take us into the collect?
2: Well, it's uh, of unknown origin. It seems to me it, it must have been composed for the occasion, but let's hear it. Almighty and Everlasting Father, you give your children many blessings, even though we are undeserving. In every trial and temptation, grant us steadfast confidence in your loving kindness and mercy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. With this gospel reading, this seems a bit more nice than than maybe we'd like to have it. Remember, the Lord is saying no to this Canaanite woman. And this prayer is fairly straightforward undeserving in particular is fine. Yes, we are neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them. The Catechism has taught us this. Yet, or nevertheless, we still ask that God would give them all to us by grace. And I think the undeserving here is a bit disconnected from both of the things that follow it. One, that the undeserving should not be too disconnected from trials and temptations. It wouldn't be wrong to recognize that these things are related, that often when we face trials and tribulations, we ask those questions, Why me? How could this possibly be happening to me? Surely I don't deserve this, implying that we're entitled to much better. And also that certainly by our sins we have merited only punishment, as many colics and as the catechism also says. But again, with that nevertheless, I'm a little frustrated. I would love to see the undeserving connected to the steadfast confidence in God as well. That's what leads Luther to say nevertheless. That's what leads the psalmist to say in Psalm 73, nevertheless, you are still with me. I'm upheld by your right hand. That's what leads this woman to say, nevertheless, I'm going to cling to you and even the children to have the crumbs from the master's table, the dogs. So the confidence is required. And this confidence that we need today that we're going to see on display in this woman is this fighting faith, this faith that like Jacob wrestles with God and finds that sometimes he appears to be silent or opposed to us even. And nevertheless, we'll root into his promises, will grab onto them firmly, and will even put them in his nose and uh, supplicate an answer from him. Overall, the propers for today seem to have muted that aspect of the Canaanite woman's great faith in favor of this Jew versus Gentile theme. And so I I do think undeserved is going to have to be the, the focal point of our day which we have here in the Collect. And I do think it brings that out. It tries to bring that out simply by the pictures that surround this. So you give not just us or your people, but your children, many blessings. So what is it? It's the nature of children to take advantage of what is theirs. It would be the sinful nature of a child to become arrogant about that and to uh, act as if they do deserve it. But it is the nature of children who expect from their father's mercy and love, even though it is undeserved, simply because he's their father, that is the right thing. And that's the way we ought to come in prayer, as we know well from the catechism.
1: Pastor Sean Denzer is our guest. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary. We have the Old Testament in Isaiah 56 on the other side. The free online Issues Etc. Journal. Just click the red Journal subscription button at issuesetc.org.
2: I'm Chaplain Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Congregations work hard to keep the Word of Christ dwelling richly in His disciples now and into eternal life. We work to help and support that effort. Learn more at lcms.org worship. You'll find resources on the church here, Bible studies on the hymns of the day, audio helps for learning to sing our services, and look for worship planning resources to find the latest from LCMS Worship. That's lcms.org worship. May the word of Christ dwell richly in you.
0: Solid. Serious. Substantive. You're listening to Issues Etc. This is Pastor Donald Jordan welcoming you to Redeemer Evangelical Lutheran Church in Chico, California. We stand upon the inspired, inerrant Word of God and preach Jesus
1: Christ and Him crucified. Students at Chico State and Butte College are welcome to
2: our college group. Our divine service is at 10 and Sunday school at 9.
0: We are located at 750 Moss Avenue and our website is RedeemerChico.org. Is your
1: child struggling at school? Are you thinking about homeschooling? Would you like help knowing what to teach and how to teach it? The Simply Classical curriculum from Memoria Press provides an enriching, step-by-step, classical Christian education for students who have autism, learning or behavioral difficulties, ADHD, and more. You'll find everything you need, including daily lesson plans to guide your way. Learn more at simplyclassical.com. Use LPR 23 to save on your order. Simplyclassical.com welcome back i'm todd wilkin this is issues etc pastor sean Denzer, director of worship for the lutheran church missouri senate is our guest as we look forward to sunday morning according to the three-year lectionary the old testament reading is isaiah 56 verse 1 and then skipping to 6 through 8
2: Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance will be revealed. We skip a bit. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. So we've actually skipped a little bit there. And the reason is I don't think when they designed the lecture, they wanted to talk about eunuchs, which is actually what verses 3 to 5 says. As it turns out, and in how much things have changed since both the 60s and since even Lutheran Service Book was formulated in the 2000s, this has become a very fruitful passage in our time for pastoral care, speaking about those who are confused sexually, those who have done things to themselves that can't be easily undone, just to say what Jesus says, who have made themselves eunuchs, whether for the kingdom or not a fantastic promise to them that those who choose the things that please him and hold fast to his covenant will have a house and a monument and a name and something better than sons of daughters. They'll have an everlasting name from the Lord that will not be cut off. Beautiful passage talking about undeserved grace, about a chance to continue with the Lord and that to stick with Him, even if it means a turning around in ourselves, a repentance and forgiveness, is exactly what is needed. We get to hear our part, which is connected very well to the gospel, speaking about the foreigners who join themselves, I love this word, who are latching on like this woman does to minister to Him, that is to serve Him, to love His name, and to keep His Sabbaths. Now, all of this, remember, is on the heels of Isaiah 55, which we've given a lot of attention to over the last few weeks, bouncing around it as it matches up well with what Jesus is doing in the Gospels. So we see that the Word of God is what goes forth and brings up a harvest, uh, causes people to sprout up and and answer him. And uh, in, in a way, now, Isaiah's prophecy here I think really does connect with what came before it, that it's even bringing up fruit in places you wouldn't expect, certainly not among eunuchs, but also not among these foreigners right? Uh, that are being brought to the Lord, that are attaching themselves. God-fearers, we sometimes call them, those who are not ethnically of Israel, yet are worshiping and trusting in the God of Israel, especially as they sojourn in the land. So a beautiful promise for them, and a passage that I think is pretty familiar to us, mostly because Jesus quotes it elsewhere in the Gospels. He says this when he drives the money changers and the animals out of the temple. He makes that comment, which is quoting Isaiah here, that the Lord has said, my house shall be called the house of prayer for all peoples. And We see the connection here is specifically to all Gentiles that that area of the temple should not be cluttered with other things or simply for buying and selling, but in fact, they are to come and have a place in his temple. We'll see that this is the very point of how the Lord sends out his apostles after his death and resurrection to proclaim to all nations that he is the Lord. And then we have a beautiful passage, which is very reminiscent of that verse that we cheated and read early, that the Lord gathers the outcasts of Israel. It's not only those who have been cast out of Israel a strange remnant as we've seen many times especially with Elijah and Elisha as they're battling against Jezebel and against false kings that have no time for the prophets but it's also true of those who are outside of Israel that are now going to be added And what Isaiah says here is very much in the words of Jesus when he says, I have, in John's gospel, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must gather them also. It's a poignant Old Testament prophecy of the Gentiles. And in addition to those obvious Gentile-connected statements, we also have a couple other things. We have the Sabbath being mentioned. This is one of the core things that those who are outside of Israel at the time of Isaiah would do is they would observe the Sabbath. Why would this one be mentioned? Well, the Sabbath commandment is famously the non-commandment, the commandment that says, do nothing rather than prescribing some good work or forbidding some wicked work. The nature of the Lord's sanctification is not that we sanctify ourselves, but that he is the Lord who sanctifies us. Thus, His call to worship is a call to rest. It's not a call to works. And we'll see that mentioned also in the epistle reading. That is why then resting in the Lord's work, being sanctified by him, that is why the Gentiles with their prayers and sacrifices will also find them acceptable and heard by the Lord. That's because of faith. And there's a wonderful little connection here with this gathering because uh, we just heard this a couple weeks ago when we had, the feeding of the 5,000. And we know that all the leftovers, all the crumbs were gathered up. His children gather up the crumbs, just as the Canaanite woman will when we get to the gospel reading.
1: Talk about the psalm.
2: The psalm is Psalm 67. I hope it's well known to everybody. This is kind of the quintessential mission psalm. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So over and over again, we have the repeated peoples, not just one, but all of them, not just the people of Israel, but the nations. These are Gentile words in the Old Testament, but these are speaking then of the fact that our God also ought to be the God of all people. He ought to be known in earth. And in fact, they ought to fear him as well, not just in terror, but in true faith and in love. So it speaks in the second verse about his saving power going out among all nations. It's not only that all nations should stand by and watch and see Israel have great success and know that that should be credited to their God. That certainly is a theme that even Moses brings out when he's standing in the breach before the Lord. But it's for a purpose. It's that they too would join in honoring him, in acknowledging him, and owning him as the only true Lord and casting all their idols away. It's always for the Lord's name's sake. It's for his mission's sake that he has ever raised up Israel, raised up Abraham, brought all the patriarchs and cared for his people always so that his name would be lifted up. And their name in it. Thus, if we're going to look as we're getting there, if we're going to look at how it is that the Lord has brought Gentiles in, that Gentiles believe, and that the Jews seem to be slow on this, Paul's going to take this as a stepping off point to say this has always been the way it is. This is so that the Lord's name may be magnified. The thing that stands in the way of that is when we magnify our own names and tend to forget that he's the one who's lifted us up in the first place. Rather, we ought to say, what do we have that we have not received, as Paul writes to the Corinthians?
1: Pastor Sean Denzer is our guest. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the three-year lectionary, the epistle reading. Romans 11, some selected verses, will be the topic when we come back.
3: It is the sentence of this court that Thasius Cyprianus be executed with the sword. Cyprian, thanks be to God.
1: Lutheran Church Missouri Sended President Pastor Matt Harrison speaking at this year's issues, etc. making the case conference.
3: So I would rather lay down on this spot and have my head chopped off than give up the word of God. But with that strong, biblically informed conscience, I shall face my day and age. You shall face this day and age. We will confess Christ no matter what we face. And we will bear witness to a better way in Jesus, come what may.
0: Amen.
1: You can watch and listen to Pastor Matt Harrison making the case for the Lutheran option from the 2023 Making the Case Conference for a $300 gift by Labor Day. You can access an on-demand video stream or download a podcast of the entire conference. Order today at issuesetc.org.
0: Register today. The 2023 Lutherans for Life National Conference is October 11th through the 13th at the Holiday Inn Cincinnati Airport in Erlanger, Kentucky. The conference includes visits to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. Online registration is open now with early bird pricing at lutheransforlife.org conference. Lutherans for Life equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. Lutheransforlife.org
1: It's commonly said that heresies are 90% truth and only 10% wrong, but it's the 10% that subverts all of Christian doctrine and all of Christian teaching by the essential errors that they promote. Well, if you're wondering about heresies, both ancient and modern, you should pick up a copy of the August issue of The Lutheran Witness, where we talk about these heresies, their ancient roots, and how to mark and avoid them. Visit cph.org witness to subscribe, or learn more at our website, witness.lsms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran
3: perspective.
0: Grace, faith, scripture, and Christ alone. You're listening to Issues Etc.
3: At the center of our campus is Kramer Chapel, And there's a reason for that. Issues Etc. guest, Dr. Arthur Just. Because it is the heartbeat of Concordia Theological Seminary. It is where we go to hear the voice of Jesus and frequently be fed with the body and blood of Christ. We sometimes call it our Jerusalem. Kramer Chapel points to the classroom, which we sometimes call Athens. It is there that we do theology, biblical studies, systematic theology, practical theology, history. We love theology here, and we love the study of it, and we love coming together in worship. It's one of the things that gives us great joy, joy in worshiping, joy in studying theology. Concordia Theological Seminary is all about the joy of being in Jesus.
1: Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, ctsfw.edu welcome back to issues etc i'm todd wilkin sean Denzer is our guest we're looking forward to sunday morning according to the three-year lectionary we come to the epistle now in romans 11 selected verses
2: yes i'll just read the selected verses but i'll circle back so we can hear some of what we're missing I ask then, Paul says, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Now I'm speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch then that as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? As regards the gospel, they are enemies of God for your sake, but as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so, they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. So, that's our selection of Romans 11 1 to 2, 13 to 15, 28 to 32. Very interesting. We've kind of combined in Lutheran service book the excerpts that the Revised Common Lectionary and the Roman Catholic Church Lectionary has, and we've added an extra one, verse 28, which I think is is quite important, but we've skipped a lot too. We've omitted the whole end of 10. We have that bookend that Paul brings where he, after speaking about how the word faith comes by hearing and the hearing by the word of Christ, he goes back to Israel's unfaithfulness in contrast with the Gentile willingness. So so all of the many Old Testament passages about how the people of God, the Israelites, closed their ears. They did not listen. In some sense, Paul's saying, what's new? We've heard this, actually. That's exactly the sermon that Stephen gave when we were first introduced to Paul in the book of Acts. In contrast to how the Gentiles have heard, how it's evident that they must be understood as being included in the remnant of Israel, which is how Paul starts talking about branches. I think we have to ask the question, why are these things omitted? Why do we jump from 2 to 13? It omits a section, that first section, that speaks about the remnant of Israel. So we're just jumping to the Gentile comments. And I don't know why. It's possible that it was concerns over anti-Semitism, that if we were to hear what Paul writes, which is not particularly kind to his fellow kinsmen, he calls them that in our reading today, that maybe somebody would think this is a call to anti-Semitism. It's hard for me to say why it was chosen this way. I do think it obscures something of our text to omit that reality, both the reality of Israel's rejection and of God's hardening of them, as it says, because the Israelites are always to be a cautionary tale for Israel. What they did, what their modern equivalents continue to do, Israel according to the flesh, they're still warning posts to us. And that's actually what the second omission is speaking about. That's the one I really am surprised was omitted, because it skips both the consideration of Israel and this great admonition to the Gentiles, which I think we need to hear. So all we hear is that kind of theological nugget about how I'm doing my ministry to them. I'm going to try and make them jealous by means of their rejection. Their acceptance will mean all the more. And then talking about how they're beloved for the sake of that. And so also now that mercy has come to the Gentiles, mercy also ought to come in turn to the Jews. But what we skipped over is Paul's admonition to the Gentiles who do believe, who are willing and eager to say, don't become arrogant in this. And I think that is frankly the message and the part of Paul that would be very helpful for those who are concerned about some kind of anti-Semitism. He explains it very well, I think. It's not contradictory to condemn with great severity The rejection of all non-Gentiles, that's Jews, it's not a contradiction to condemn that rejection and at the same time to be thankful and grateful and faithful that we are saved by grace. And that's what Paul's talking about here. They're dead on account of their rejection. That means they're lost, they're broken off like branches off the tree, off the roots, and that's because of their unbelief. They have merited something by their works to take all of Romans into account. They've merited this rejection, this cutting off. On the contrast, we are alive, we're grafted into the roots of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to the kingdom of God, all on account of God's undeserved grace, mercy, standing in our faith. Paul is careful to say, continue to stand in that faith and don't substitute some kind of pride or arrogance for it. We are under God's kindness, and we are not rejecting it out of arrogance. Now, what was the problem with Israel that caused them to be broken off? It was always their arrogance and their pride. And we as Gentiles dare not adopt it as if like now we're in, so I guess we are the chosen people, so we should be arrogant now. No, then we fall into the exact same trap. And as Paul says, if he's broken even his own chosen people off, what makes you think he won't do the same to you if you fall into that trap? The point of being chosen by God isn't pride, it's thanksgiving. It's, it's, it's delight, it's, it's His mercy that rescues us. What do we have that we did not receive? That's the way it is. And that's all of life as a Christian. This life of receiving from God, being on the receiving end, not being tied up so much in our doings of his holy things by which he then rewards us, but rather being grateful, starting every day with thanksgiving, recognizing that entirely undeservedly, all out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy He has redeemed and saved and keeps us alive. This is the principle that we as Lutherans especially love. It's it's what Paul loves here. That's what he's emphasized. Okay, let's come back to what we do have in our text. We try to sum up all of this with kind of one laconic sentence. That's verse 28. I'll read it again. As regards the gospel, they, the Jewish according to the flesh, Israelites, they're the enemies of God for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers, to whom the promises and everything else were given. That's one very brief sentence to try and sum up this whole theological argument of Paul. The point would be that the branches have been broken off in order to make a place for us, and... They are not broken off forever as if everybody who has ever descended from Abraham according to the flesh now is consigned to damnation. No, they must now receive mercy in the same way a Gentile does. In a sense, this outcasts of Israel phrase that we've already been applying to the Gentiles we well, the to see, really does apply to the Jews as well, according to the flesh, those who, who are descended of Abraham. They have all of the promises, they have all of the zeal, even maybe, but they have no knowledge of it. And this is a tragedy. Remember, Paul said earlier he'd rather be cut off himself if it would mean that his kinsmen could be saved. So this would be a great day when we hear about uh, Gentiles being saved and coming into the kingdom and trusting. It would be a great day for us to bring out that old prayer for the Jews that used to be part of the bidding prayer, and I think still ought to be, that we pray for God's ancient people, that he would be their light, just like Simeon prayed. It's worth noting, by the way, so we, for a while, we're hearing that gradual over and over again. Oh, the depth and the riches and the wisdom of God, from him to him, in him are all things. That actually is the Bible passage that immediately follows today's reading. Immediately follows this this last sentence that God has consigned all to disobedience in order that he may have mercy on all. That doesn't mean that there's a universalistic salvation that all have, but it's rather that all who will trust and believe and receive his mercy will have it. Those who reject his mercy who want to have it by works in their own prowess are going to stand rejected instead. Let's warn against that. So the depth, uh, it's too bad we've abandoned that earlier since now we come to it finally in Romans. But this passage is certainly part of the fear and not arrogance, faith and not comprehension or mastery, which is Paul's kind of larger point, right? It's not by works, but it's by faith. And our confessions make a big deal of that, that when we come very close to some kind of double predestination, if you were to misunderstand what Paul is saying, or some kind of universalism, if you were also to misunderstand what he is saying, this is where Paul takes a step back and utters praise for the Lord's marvelous mercy that we simply ought to believe his promises and enter into. And so that's what we ought to do too. When we start to let our logic take over and say things that the scriptures don't say
1: we'll be looking at the gradual and the verse leading up to the gospel reading in matthew chapter 15 as we look forward to sunday morning according to the three-year lectionary with pastor sean denser This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we continue our adventures in Acts with reporting back to Antioch, the occasion of the First Council, Peter's response, James's response, and the Council's letter. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. How do the global flood, circumcision, and the Israelites wandering in the wilderness foreshadow the baptismal flood in Christ? Find out in the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for August, The Baptismal River, Studying the Sacrament Throughout Scripture. This new Bible study is published by Concordia Publishing House, their phone number 1-800-325-3040. Or find out more about The Baptismal River at IssuesETC.org. The Baptismal River, Studying the Sacrament Throughout Scripture.
0: Grace. Faith, Scripture, and Christ alone. You're listening to Issues Etc. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org.
1: Welcome back to Issues, etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're looking forward to the 12th Sunday after Pentecost, according to the three-year lectionary with Pastor Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. You're invited to attend the LCMS Worship's 2024 Institute on Liturgy, Preaching, and Church Music, July 9th through the 12th at Concordia University, Nebraska. This year's theme is Songs of Deliverance, Psalms in the Great Congregation. Find out more at lcms.org slash worship lcms.org slash worship. What are the gradual and the verse for this coming Sunday?
2: The gradual is our new seasonal one. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So fear the Lord, this is God-fearers, is what we call Gentiles in the Old Testament time that trust in the Lord nevertheless that are described in Isaiah 56? Well, we ought to call them saints too, according to this psalm verse. And notice the Lord delivers them out of all the afflictions and difficulties they have. That certainly is foreshadowing for what we're going to see with this Canaanite woman who proves herself to be a daughter of Israel as well. And I think it's worth saying that faith makes the saint and the reason that faith makes the saint isn't because faith is a work itself, but it's because the Lord is the one who makes the saints. He's the one who rescues them. He's the one who brings them in and who shows his loving kindness to them. That's why those who trust in it and believe it have it, have everything that he has promised.
1: Take us into the gospel in Matthew 15, beginning at verse
2: 21. Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon and behold a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying have mercy on me O Lord son of David my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon but he did not answer her a word and his disciples came and begged him saying send her away for she's crying out after us he answered I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel We have skipped a little bit. We skipped the traditions uh, where Jesus rebukes the, the Pharisees and scribes for holding to all of the traditions of men, but using them to circumvent the actual commandments of God. And the Revised Common Lecture gives the option to read 10 to 15, which is Mark 7. It's not what goes into you that defiles you, but what comes out of you. For out of the heart come sin, which is already deep in mankind. That's the stuff that defiles. And I suppose we could say that has something to talk about the defiled peoples like the Canaanites as well. But then comes the reading that we have in common with all of the three-year lectionary variations. This beautiful story of the Canaanite woman. So we start up in Tyre and Sidon, that's Gentile country already. So the Lord is there. He finds a Gentile. He finds a Canaanite, which is uh, quite a signal to us. The Canaanites remember were supposed to be destroyed, men, women, and children, when they conquered the land, when Joshua came in, but they weren't obviously. So here she, speaking of undeserved, is still around even, descendant, uh, but certainly no descendant of Israel. Yet she comes beseeching mercy and she comes crying on the Lord, the son of David. Fantastic title for him, a recognition that he's the true king, a recognition that he is the offspring that was promised. I think you can take it all the way back to the first promise of that in Genesis as well. And maybe we want to say, maybe she knows the Psalter, that she's clinging to it so closely. Remember that Psalm 147, as well as Isaiah. Her daughter's oppressed by a demon, and we know that Jesus has been healing and casting out demons everywhere. So this seems like something he would pick up right away. But he says no. He doesn't say anything at first. Remember, be not deaf to me. Be not silent to me, like it says in the Psalter. And the disciples are the ones who are bothered most by this. This is certainly something I think many people have experienced. The difficulty that the Lord doesn't give us the answers we want so we can look good, they seem to to not want that. Do something, send her away or heal her or just take care of it so she'll leave us alone. What would be the worst thing is if she was trying to ask me for something. So it's not particularly a, a flattering moment for the disciples either. But what Jesus says really is much worse. I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm not even here for you. And that's, I think, what makes this difficult for us. As Lutherans, we have talked about the words for you requiring all hearts to believe. This is the insight that the promises of God, well, as Paul said, are irrevocable. They are something that we should cling to at all times and latch on to for you. That's the best words you could possibly hear. And if it's for me, I'd have to call God a liar if I didn't take him at his word. And no Christian would do that. Here, though, Jesus actually says, I'm not for you. And I think it's quite a mystery to us why he says that. Maybe he's waiting for her to clarify it. Maybe she has no claim on him in the name of David, if that's some kind of royal flattery. But I don't even think we have to answer that question of what it is Jesus is trying to press out of her. The point is we get to see her reaction, which is still to stick with him to say, help me. That's about as simple as you can get. And here he says the thing that sometimes is interpreted as a slur. There's no anti-Semitism. Maybe there's a little anti-Gentile-ism here, that we shouldn't take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Dogs are not necessarily pets in the ancient world. They, they live out in the streets. They're, they're much closer to the jackals and the wolves at that time, and they're not really clean or happy animals, so you don't take what belongs to the people in the house and throw them out to the others outside the house. That is an image that is very clear and certainly accords with the way the Old Testament, often, with the exception maybe of all the prophets, speaks about it. But what is marvelous is how she catches Jesus in those words. Maybe first is that she would say yes to it instead of, I don't even know what, no is what I'd like to say, or how dare you. But she says yes. So she says amen to his words, although it's a different word in the Greek. And then she catches him there, right? Maybe not the dogs that are out in the street, but those who are near their master's table get the crumbs. Not the whole bread, but the crumbs. But not anybody's streets, but the master's table. She's claiming herself to be his dog if she has to be one. And she's belling up to receive whatever he would give, however small, knowing that none of it is deserved. She proves herself then to be a much more appreciative daughter, I suppose, than any entitled child who would probably refuse the bread to begin with. Regardless, the point that she catches Jesus in his words, this is why Lutherans always want to talk about being saved by faith. It isn't to put faith out as some work, but it is to say faith is that receiving. It's what the Lord inspires by his promise that comes first, that his word, his mercy even, is what causes us to believe it and even to pray and then in such faith even to wrestle with him against our own flesh and against what seems to be a hope against hope in order to cling to his promises and receive the benefit that he has for us. So look at how Jesus praises this, right? Well, wow, great is your faith. You have exactly what you believe. Very similar to what Mary heard. Let it be done for you as you believe. And also to that other man whose daughter was sick and ill.
1: What would you say about the hymns that are on the offing for this coming Sunday?
2: The hymn of the day that was chosen is probably borrowed from where this text shows up in the the one-year lectionary, which is on the second Sunday in Lent. Lent is traditionally focused in the readings, at least on Sundays, on demons, on spiritual warfare, and uh, this is certainly a, a strange kind of spiritual warfare when we're actually wrestling with God. And yet this hymn, When in the Hour of Utmost Need, is really a hymn about prayer as well as about prayer by those who recognize their sin and recognize that they don't deserve anything from the Lord, including that he would listen to our prayers. Really what Luther teaches about uh, forgive us our trespasses. And this hymn then is marvelous to talk about this, uh, that in all sorts of difficulties, when we don't know who to come to, we go to the Lord. Our hope, our comfort is that we have an audience with God, that he gives mercy. He's promised to heed. And so we come. Now, in some ways, I think that's a marvelous and surprising hymn to choose for this day because the Lord does not really answer prayers. In fact, he says multiple times that he is not here for this woman and no. And yet to put this hymn with it is to imitate her in sticking to the promise that you had from before, sticking with him, even if it seems as if he's rejecting the prayer because there's nobody else to go to, and because he is the one who's for her. He has to be for her, or no one will. And the fact that she has maybe some of Isaiah, maybe she has the Psalms, she knows that the Lord has helped others, she's going to stick with him. She's going to, as in the words of our Old Testament reading, she's going to join herself to him at all costs. And this sometimes is the way Christian prayer has to be, especially when the things for which we pray are chronic, are continual, are relentless. The prayer ought to be as just as relentless. So it's a great choice. I think another fine choice would also be Luther's hymn on Psalm 67, our psalm for the day, which is, May God bestow on us his grace. It's in the mission section. It's a beautiful hymn about his care for the church, about our gratefulness and thanksgiving, and in fact that our prayer that our thanksgiving and our love of his mercy would also show to others that this mercy is not a private property of ours as Christians or as Lutherans, but is given to all people, that it's declared to all nations, that in fact for those who will press through to faith rather than to press through to get their own importance in there, those who will reject that arrogance the Lord is for them. The Lord is merciful. And so we can invite others into that as well.
1: Pastor Sean Denzer is Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod. Sean, thank you. You're welcome. Up next, we'll hear a teaching on Mary, the Mother of Jesus, observed by the Church on August 15th. Our guest will be the sainted Pastor Paul McCain. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay with us.
0: is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. What makes Christ Our Savior Lutheran Church in Freeburg, Illinois, so
2: special? Our new members talk about the family atmosphere, the welcoming people, and the outstanding music. But most importantly, you'll be confronted with your sin and comforted with the assurance that Jesus has removed that sin so that you can live each day as his baptized and forgiven child. Christ Our Savior Lutheran Church is at 612 North State Street in Freeburg, Illinois. Sunday worship is at 9 a.m. Sunday school and Bible classes at 1020 a.m. Call
0: 618-539-5664. Bahama Mama, Ocean Pacific, Paradise Island. Retreat from the heat with a shaved ice snow cone from tropical snow in Caseyville, Illinois. It's right
3: across the street from Collinsville High School. Tropical Snow is open daily from 1 to
0: 9. Premium snow, epic flavors, lots of love. Tropical Snow, across the street from Collinsville High School at 2134 South Morrison Avenue in Caseyville.
3: College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, President of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com.